there's an expression I'm fond of, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. And you're right. A lot of potential buyers who have no experience in the world of distress, they may be very experienced in M&A, healthy company M&A. Or their industry that they're, they're focused on. They may sure. know that industry real well, and they may say that, hey, Greg's company is in distress. There may be an opportunity. But they may be a mere tourist to the concept of distress. They haven't done a deal with a distressed company. Welcome to the MBBI Trends and M&A Podcast. I'm Greg Fenn with Whipley Corporate Finance Advisors, your host for today's broadcast. Today's guest is Jonathan Freeland, Principal with Much Law, Chicago, Illinois. Jonathan's corporate restructuring and insolvency experience is extensive. He counsels companies in financial distress, leading debtor representations in Chapter 11 cases, assignments for the benefit of creditors, controlled Article 9 processes, out-of-court workouts, and wind-downs for many companies. Jonathan is a friend of MBBI and has written numerous uh, books and publications about bankruptcy, financial distress companies, along with presenting to our group across those topics as well. Thank you and welcome, Jonathan. Please introduce yourself and much law. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's it's a pleasure. Well, you described my practice. I work with distressed companies and their principals, period. That's what I do. And much law, uh, my team and I moved over to the firm about a year ago. It's about a 100-lawyer firm uh, uh, with offices in Chicago and in California. General corporate practice. Very good law firm. Uh, We have worked with your team uh, uh, on many occasions on several transactions. Uh, um, But today we're going to kind of talk about all things distressed. And because we're talking about that, I thought of you naturally um, with all the work that you have done concerning bankruptcy and the like. Um, um, Also, in today's uncertain economic climate and environment, you know, there are no uncertain. There are many uncertainties. With uh, interest rates continue to rise, they're expected to stay high for a period of time. We have continued inflation, continued supply chain issues. Labor, ironically, is remaining very tight, causing other issues, part of the supply chain as well. And banks are slowing and tightening their lending mandates. In addition to your observations and what you're seeing in today's distressed market. Um, what are you seeing in terms of lender behavior in the face of defaulting borrowers? Generally speaking, lenders are less patient than they were, say, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Um, of course, during COVID, there was sort of forced patience across the board. So comparing to that period of time may not be the best comparison. But even going before that, Lenders are are less patient than I've seen them in a long time. That said, almost as a truism through the course of my 25-year career, lender behavior is almost always a direct result, at least in large measure, 
of debtor behavior. And what I'm getting at is two things. Um, the, the cause for the distress and the way company management handles itself once the distress presents itself. And from my perspective, communication is key, especially with your lender, if you're experiencing maybe modest or short-term distress. That, that's right. Um, if we're talking about sort of the, the period of, of time after the distress becomes known, um, communication, I mean, look, any relationship, um, communication is the key to any relationship, including that of a borrower and, and lender. Um, managing expectations, uh, not over-promising and under-delivering, uh, these kind of things go a long way towards uh, shaping what the lender response will be. Agreed. And I think um, many companies sometimes can be afraid of talking with their lender during these times, uh, naturally thinking something bad will occur. But I think getting in front of uh, the situation, communicating that there may be some short-term uh, uh, hiccups and their covenants and things of that nature, working with the lender in tandem could give them a longer pathway than just a surprise uh, um, as they're going through these times of needs. Uh, that, that's right. And, and also, you know, the, the nature of the distress, the, the cause, right? If we're talking about a company with incompetent or dishonest management, that's one thing. If we're talking about a company that is experiencing trouble because the industry is experiencing trouble or the economy as a whole is, is experiencing certain, um, certain events, or if it's a black swan event of some kind uh, that really is extrinsic to anything the company could have done or not done, uh, these factors will weigh heavily in, in terms of how a lender will will approach a situation. And, and the other thing is the communication aspect post-discovery of the problem, if we're dealing with honest and competent management that's been reporting uh, all along as to whether it's in covenant or not in covenant, then there's less opportunity for surprises. Correct, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the best case. Um, um, you know, in speaking to our group, uh, have there been any changes in the law recently that you think our audience should know or be aware of impacting how they may want to negotiate with their lender if the need arises, if they do, you know, if their client or the company experiences one of these hiccups or what you call a black swan event? Uh, sure. And, and, and really, rather than focus on, I'm going to answer your question, but in a slightly different way than you asked it. If you wait until there's trouble, then your leverage is whatever your leverage is at that point. As compared to at the beginning of the relationship, when your leverage is certainly going to be greater. Uh, because lenders are in the business of lending, and when a company borrows, the company is is the customer. 
Right. And they also want to mitigate risk. And their risk mitigation depends on how well you communicate with them. If they feel like you're going to be telling them every step of the way how things are progressing, they feel a little bit longer maybe giving you a leash. Well, that's true. But where I'm going is, is the following. Uh, let's say you're the ownership, whether you're the owner or a, a part of an ownership group. And at, at, at the time you're looking to uh, obtain financing, whether it's a brand new loan or a refi with somebody else, right? And you're asked to give a personal guarantee. Now, the market is such that if your company is small enough, if the, if the ownership group is small enough, you really can't get around giving personal guarantees. Although there's a couple of things you can do. Um, sometimes guarantees are negotiable to, to the effect of negotiating for bad boy only guarantees, right? Um, and then the, the giving of a personal guarantee begs the question, how collectible are you? And if you've done advanced asset protection planning on a personal front, you may give a personal guarantee that doesn't implicate a corpus of assets that will be protected if you did advanced planning. So you asked about negotiating in the, in the face of, of distress. I'm talking about far prior to the distress arising. Um, likewise, I'll give you another example. And I think your, your question asked about changes in the law. Um, I wasn't responsive a moment ago because that, that's, that's been what I just articulated is, was true for, has been true forever. Um, one change in the law though, uh, a Delaware court recently came out with a decision that, um, that upheld the ability of a lender to exercise proxy rights. And let me give you clarity on that by giving you context. So when a company borrows money, it's typical from a lender, a secured lender, secured means a security interest in all assets, right? It's not uncommon that in addition to an asset, a security interest in a company's assets, it's not uncommon for a lender to also get a security interest in the equity itself, right? A stock pledge, a membership interest pledge. What's less common, but becoming more common, is the granting of proxy rights. So that at the time of the loan, not only does the company say, fine, you can have a security interest in all of my assets. Not only do the owners say, fine, you can have a security interest in our equity in the company, but there's sort of a, an add-on to that, which is a, a, the concept of a stock pledge or an equity, excuse me, a, um, a proxy, proxy rights, which means, or, or which results in the ability of a lender to basically, um, with little notice or no notice at all, to remove the board of directors of the company or the managing member of an LLC and replace them with directors or a manager of the lender's own choosing. Kind of give them a little, little more information and a little risk mitigation if things go bad and they start to lose trust in that management team. That's and interesting. What, um, 
And, and what it does, though, is it cuts off the ability of the company, of the debtor, to file bankruptcy at its knees. Because the the company files bankrupt, a protect a company, a debtor, a, a a company in distress, can file a protective bankruptcy, but it has to do that through action of its directors or of its managing member. But if the lender replaces, if 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 it fires first, and replaces the the directors or the managing member, then they have no corporate authority. To file the bankruptcy, it's been a very controversial um, provision that is, is seldomly used. But you're seeing more of that incorporated in new lending agreements, giving the lender these proxy rights to protect themselves if they need to kind of take a little more control of the organization through the board. I've seen a little bit more of it over the course of the last number of years, and a decision just came down a few months ago in Delaware that for the first time, a written decision upheld that as, okay, it works. And the concern is that lenders will, that will give lenders more comfort to negotiate for that in their papers, in their, in their loan documents, and then ultimately maybe exercise those rights. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, you know, uh, the return of personal guarantees. You, you mentioned that, I mean, for a long time, especially during the market, you know, the, the bull market and the favorable growth that we've seen, uh, lower interest rates, uh, um, plentiful capital, banks were very highly competitive with, uh, with lending for, to private equity and the emerging companies, et cetera. You know, the personal guarantee was limited or non-existent. Do you see more lending uh, uh, in today's environment, including returning that personal guarantee or having more personal guarantee provisions, uh, whether it be limited or full guarantees now? I do. I do. Interesting. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to kind of pick your brain about and kind of talk to you, uh, you know, we're all about M&A with MBBI. Uh, um, and you can kind of discuss with this how you feel um, fit. But I, I still want to kind of look at things as the glass half full, very opportunistic. Um, and, you know, many potential buyers shy away from buying companies that are in financial distress, mostly because they don't understand how to get their arms around the potential risks. But these could be great opportunities, especially if the opportunity arises. How would you recommend potential buyers and people assessing these opportunities go about mitigating the risk and what processes do you see see fit that they should be incorporating legal or otherwise there's an expression i'm fond of a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing and you're right a lot of potential buyers who have no experience in the world of distress they may be very experienced in M and A, healthy company M and A, or their industry that they're they're focused on. They may sure. know that industry real well, and they may say that, "Hey, Greg's company is in distress. There may be an opportunity." But they may be a mere tourist to the concept of distress. They haven't done a deal with a distressed company, and I understand how that's concerning. You don't want to buy. Uh, a company only to step into a whole lot of liabilities that you may know, not even know about at the time. Correct. But that's 
a great example of this expression come to life. A little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing because the fact of the matter is that through a variety of legal processes, legal rappers, W-R-A-P-P-E-R-S, rappers, if you will, uh, it's quite possible for a buyer to buy a, a going concern business and absolutely um, be safe in knowing that it's, it's liability, the liabilities which it's stepping into, which it's assuming are limited to those it's, it's explicitly assuming pursuant to contract. You need a legal wrapper for that, and a legal wrapper, an example of a legal wrapper is a bankruptcy, a receivership, and a signer so for the benefit. specifically identifying only these liabilities we're assuming with this transaction. If it's beyond the wrapper, it's not being assumed by the acquirer. Um, Am I thinking about that correctly? What I'm well, let me back up. So, your company is in trouble, and I'm thinking about buying it. I, the idea that I would buy your equity is almost unquestionably a mistake. I don't want to buy your equity yes. because then, by definition, I, I I step into all your liabilities. I'm going to buy your assets. If I simply buy your assets with an agreement without the use of a legal wrapper, a, a, a like a bank like a bankruptcy, then I am not foreclosing the um, potential risks like I could. Um, there's legal doctrine. The, the the two buckets of legal doctrines are fraudulent transfer. I pay you money for all of your assets, but I paid you less than reasonably equivalent value. Um, and that's a question of fact. And after our deal is done, there's a variety of ways people could, creditors can come in and challenge our transaction and try to avoid it and try to sue me because I paid too little in, in with the benefit of hindsight. And the other general um, legal concept that I have to be concerned about as a buyer of assets that are from a distressed seller is um, the concept, it, the, the terminology successor liability. Um, the idea that even if I paid reasonably equivalent value, I nonetheless have a risk of being sued on the basis of this legal doctrine that's broadly called successor liability. But both of those risks. And you see that most commonly in like payroll taxes and things of that nature. What other type of successor liabilities are you kind of including in that bucket? Oh, there's all sorts. I mean, uh, even a uh, even a a trade vendor can try to sue a buyer on the theory of successor liability. Okay. But the thing is that the way to get around that is. You don't buy. I would not. I would most likely not buy your assets if the assets of your company, if your company is distressed, without doing so through one of these legal wrappers. And again, the legal wrapper, this this term I'm using, is meant to convey a bankruptcy or a receivership or an Article Nine process or a receivership process. Did I say receivership process twice? I don't know. That's okay, but, but, it, the, but it limits the liabilities the, that actually can be transferred to the new right. owner 
of those assets that are being acquired. Yeah, the bottom line is if I get a court order or if I get a, a certain other – if I buy through certain other means, each one of these means – I'm using the generic term legal wrapper to, yep. to, to talk about all of them at once – then I can go a long way toward protecting myself from these potential lawsuits that could come at me later. But nevertheless, you know, these opportunities are starting to present themselves. Um, um, do you, are you seeing more um, distress in this market as things kind of, as interest rates stay high and, you know, they're looking at their borrowing? Um, you know, we're also kind of maybe concerned with uh, companies that have, you know, high working capital components or they're very capital intensive. What industries are you seeing mostly affected by the distress right now in today's market? Are there any industries kind of leading where, you know, this is one in industry, whether it be retail or manufacturers of equipment or whatever, that we're seeing more, op more uh, activity than others? Anecdotally speaking, based on, on my practice, I'm seeing an unprecedented amount of activity that I haven't seen since the early days when I started back in 1995. And uh, certainly I see, I've been seeing a lot of trouble. If, if we're talking about industries, the um, cannabis space throughout the country, there was sort of a, you know, an overcapacity there. And there's a lot of cannabis companies struggling. I've helped several. Um, yeah, many aren't profitable, and now when you're facing higher interest rates, you're just expanding the losses a little bit and then maybe eating up some you, of the contributions that they uh, were funded upon. Yeah, I mean, you don't even need to get into the interest rate issue with the cannabis companies. There's just an oversupply. There's too many retailers, yeah. too many manufacturers. I mean, that's truly uh, an industry problem. But to your point, Greg, um, you've got perfectly good companies – across, it's completely industry agnostic, where term loans are coming due in the ordinary course, and they're not being renewed. Or a lender is saying, we'll renew you, but for, you know. For less than what they actually need. Less than what they need, or at a higher yeah. interest rate, or both. And um, that's causing problems. I mean, I could the the range of industries is 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 incredibly diverse and you are starting to see alternative lenders trying to fill some of those gaps but they are extremely choosy in terms of what they're looking for in terms of management teams communication is one of those things uh, uh, but also in terms of plan to kind of move towards profitability and afford the higher interest rates that uh, they're asking for because they're usually going to be behind that senior lender um, that's shortfalling or giving less at a senior level lender um, lender capacity. Um, um, what other hot topics or points do you want to consider in today's market that you're seeing? Well, over the last 20 years, we've, and I'll, you're asking about more recently than that, but just for context, over the last 20 years, um, we've seen a rise in the use of business bankruptcy alternatives like 
ABCs, assignments for the benefit of creditors, uh, Article 9 sales, controlled Article 9 sales, aka friendly Article 9 sales, um, and you know other out-of-court methods. And, and the, the reason is that Chapter 11 bankruptcy um, is simply too expensive and too hard to use um, uh, dependably to a good result for the company. Uh, to make it a worthwhile pathway. But uh, right before COVID hit, coincidentally, right before COVID hit, the um, su subchapter five of chapter 11 was signed into law. And as a result, Congress gave smaller companies this new pathway, uh, this new type of chapter 11 that is phenomenally useful. It's far less expensive and far easier to um, to achieve a successful result from the perspective of the company and its owners than as compared to traditional chapter 11. And if you're looking for sort of what's the biggest development if your question is what's the biggest development in the in the world of business bankruptcy and business distress over the last year or two i would i think it's the it's the advent and use and and industry acceptance of subchapter 5 as as a pathway for a for a broken company and when we have you know, look at our client base and we may see a client is struggling a little bit or they're going to have some issues with their covenants or um, their note is coming due and it's it may be extremely unlikely that they'll get their full financing uh, uh, for that. When is the appropriate time for them to, uh, you know, reach out to someone like yourself, an attorney that is skilled in terms of what their options may be if if they're a little bit on the forefront of predicting that there's possibly going to be a, a need of support down the road because of the uncertainty. So there, the what's the expression? A, a mentor of mine likes to say it. Um, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. And the, the most common uh, mistake business owners, management teams, uh, even uh, sponsors, private equity sponsors, and this I'm not poking at your firm in particular, but and their accountants and their general outside lawyers make is waiting. Time is not on your side if you're the owner and or uh, you know management of a distressed company. With each passing day, options, Start to dissipate. Start to dissipate. And um, one, one phenomenon I've noticed among companies over the last couple of years, especially over the last 12 months, that I, I'm running more and more into a situation where by the time the company gets to me, it not only does it have its debt to its principal secured lender and perhaps to a second – and Probably to the owners themselves. Sure. They may have put more money sure. in. Yeah. And not only has trade been extended way too far, 
But another new development that is really um, disturbing, mostly because it's so avoidable, that comes from delay is the, um, the existence of MCAs on a company's balance sheet, merchant cash advance. Um, this is really just in the retail, o- almost only in the retail space. It's certainly when um, it's a B2C, when the, when the business at question sells to consumers. And um, companies that are in trouble against the wall uh, and they think they have no other options are increasingly looking to um, merchant cash advance, quote unquote, lenders um, to uh, th- they think they can finance their way out of their situation. But an MCA provider is nothing better than the business version of a payday loan. It's, it's, uh, it's a horrible situation for a business to get itself into. And when go, going back to earlier in our conversation, when we talked about um, incompetent management, I'm not suggesting that management is necessarily incompetent for entering into, a num- into MCA transactions. But in retrospect, so far, I've never seen a situation. I've seen a lot of a lot of these situations where entering into MCA financing was a good idea. So you're saying it's mostly a leading indicator that the distress will continue and the, they're furthering their woes with adding more more It'll, debt. It, it will with kill the, the company if the original problem wasn't going to kill the yeah. company. So they should contact a professional like yourself prior to entering into that agreement, explore those options, and try to find maybe more cost-effective solutions that will actually give the company the runtime to uh, it needs to uh, uh, continue existence. Yes, and, and I said earlier, I, I said this isn't a dig against your firm in particular, yes. but I have found time and time again accounting firms and law firms that don't do what I do uh, the professional, the, the the partner with the relationship, is um, hesitant to introduce the troubled company to a professional like myself, um, and and often, as you know, bar c- companies that are in distress, they don't find me directly, they and find and you my, through their bank, <laughs> right? They find well, they find me and my friendly competitors. Through accountants and general practitioner law firms, right? Accountants like you, and so really, um, the 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 message is not yes, it's to the business itself, but it's also to everybody that does what you do. That um, that getting in early is the best, and helping your client get in early is the best thing you can do to help your client preserve itself. Terrific. Uh, And on that note, uh, Jonathan, thank you very much. The discussion's been very insightful. Thank you, MBBI, Much Law, Ray, our audio engineer, Whiffley for hosting us today. I'm Greg Wolfen signing off for MBBI. Thank you and have a great day. (laughs) 